Hello and welcome to the Second Row Podcast. My name is Park Kelly and as always I'm joined by Ushin Collins. Two very, very happy podcasters this morning. Hashtag, we will talk about more than just Ireland versus New Zealand. We we will try to talk about more than just Ireland versus the All Blacks. Um, hello everybody and welcome back. We are joining you on a cold Sunday morning from a car park in Galway where we have met on our various travels because we want to be here for you, the listener. Could you be any cheesier? No, I literally couldn't, but I'm too delighted to even give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to talk about news this week, Porik. I want to talk about rugby. So we're going to chat in detail about the games that Wales, Ireland, England and Scotland were involved in, and then we'll wrap up the other results at the end. But first, let's kick into Wales v Tonga. Game went back and forth. Tonga really got themselves back into the game and they went, all right, now let's stop. Yeah, so like Wales had the dream start. They were 15 versus 14 and had a penalty try within three minutes from just really stupid, obvious, cynical play. And then they absolutely ramped up and went through the gears. Another two tries. And Tonga are staring down the barrel of a gun. And I was like, where is this big showboat win going to stop? And then out of nowhere, Tonga just seemed to ramp up the levels of pressure and come back into the game. Yeah, they seemed to just tighten up kind of what they were doing and focus on their own game plan and stop giving a crap about what Wales were doing. They did. And they were let back into the game by some pretty brainless play from Wales. Like their breakdown defence was shambolic and... A couple of those tries were coming from just not making your tackles properly. That type of stuff isn't good enough for a team of Wales standard. And to throw an intercept pass off your own line out and get caught out for a try is just ridiculous stuff. It was really embarrassing. And particularly given that the Tongan line out had been some sort of work of abstract art based on the word nonsense for the entirety of the first half. It was really, really sloppy. You're really seeing the November internationals how little time the Tongas, the Fijis, the Samoas of the world really have to spend with each other and focus on the core aspects of the game. Yeah, and their set piece tends to suffer because they're not playing together week in, week out. And, and often they're not playing at the same standard as teams who are filled with Pro 14 players or Premiership or, God, even the top 14 players can put a set piece together these days. That's kind of all they have, really. <laughs> no, but the thing is, as with a lot of these teams, they start to drop away in the latter half of the game. And from 50 minutes, we saw Wales really, really starting to turn the screw. And two very different tries on the 60 and the 70 minute mark. At 60 minutes, there was a try that was nearly scored kind of in spite of itself. Like Wales did everything possible to try and not score this try, including messing up the most obvious 2 and one in the world. On the other hand, the try in 17 minutes was a stunner. Liam Williams started it, involved the whole way through. Who can say offload galore? Oh, so many offloads. And they all stuck. Like There was one particular offload where the ball was floated up and the player who caught it was actually off screen when the pass was thrown. And he just sprinted out of nowhere straight onto the ball and got it. It was really, really nice stuff. And then Wales just kept hitting the dude on the ground. Yeah, the point where I was like, literally the Simpsons mean stop, stop, he's already dead is when Wales collected their own kickoff and ran in a try. Yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing. And the scoreline of 74 points to 24 definitely is accurate in terms of the gulf of class, but is a little bit tough on that Tongan performance for the first 50 minutes. Yeah, the fall-off wasn't a 50-point fall-off. But I think mentally they had given up as well. Yeah, absolutely. And similarly, England v Japan, the scoreline doesn't really reflect the game as a whole. No, so England came out of this 35 points to 15, but it's worth pointing out that Japan were 15 points to 10 ahead at half time. We're still very much in the game at the hour mark, and a couple of late tries from England gave a gloss on the scoreline that will probably get England out of jail when you look at it that way. 
Especially because Japan gave up two very soft tries across the game. The first one was off literally a nightmare start for Japan. Yeah, kick transition. And you've got Elliot Daly and Joe Kokonasiwa breaking down the left wing. Danny Kerr, as he so often is, running really good support lines and goes in under the post for a try. Just the worst possible start. Did they panic? Absolutely not. They are the definition of cool under pressure. They were so, so calm and worked their way. Steady stuff. Good play. Simple play. Back into the game. As much as Danny Kerr will get a bit of shtick for missing that tackle, what was Hartley at? So, I get that Michael Leach is a good player. And for anybody who's a super rugby fan, they'll know all about him from his time with the Chiefs. But even still, he's got to be a marked man on that Japan team. And watching three England players in a row miss a tackle, because as well as Hartley, Harry Williams was coming across the prop, missed him completely. And he sauntered in for a try. It's just really sloppy defending. I'd say Eddie Jones at half time was like, what, what? <laughs> what? what? Flip, flip through the pages <laughs> flip through the pages where's the Japan are beating us at home script I don't have this one you know given that everything he was saying pre-match was it's the, all we can judge us on oh, his scoreline yeah. go get together you praise like, what a joker it, it's nice to watch him get shown up by that that's kind of why I was hoping that the um, the second half would go better for Japan but unfortunately they didn't put any more points on the board and against tier 1 opposition you can't not score in the second half. No, and they did look to be containing England up until the spilled catch from Japan that just let England run in for a try, and that seemed to just be the killer blow and just the floodgates open. Yeah, and when you look at that England team, there is a gulf in class there in terms of their players, in terms of their physicality, in terms of their fitness. So they were just able to ratchet up the pressure, which is what we saw, I think. And this wasn't the glorious, emphatic victory that it was supposed to be. There was a number of players here who had work to do after last week. George Ford had a real opportunity after having come on and been effective in the loss against New Zealand for those last couple of minutes, as you said last week, Borg. He was a bit rubbish out there. I don't think anyone in the England team can really hold their heads up high of like they were standout players. But I think that's a general issue with how England play the game. If they're a counter-attacking pressure rugby team, and if you're not laying into them and constantly attacking them, they're not going to create much themselves. No, and when you do play rugby like that, you rely on your set piece being pretty flawless. And Jamie George didn't have a great day at hooker. No, and they were kind of lucky that they got two emphatic maul tries as well. Yes, they were. Uh, the other player who, for me, really stood out as having a, a bit of a nightmare game was Jack No. Now, I'm not surprised, given that he was played out of position. I've seen him at 14 and 15 before, but I've never seen him at 13, even at club level. He may have played there in a couple of games, but not at the highest level. That was interesting. So, new centre partnership, Lazowski and Noel. And occasionally, you could just see the two of them struggling to communicate as to where they were supposed to be defensively, let alone getting their hands on the ball going forward. I think most English centres look like that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, Henry Slade was the exception, and I think when he came off the bench, he did make a difference. He just is that kind of classy player who can provide a bit of creativity and a bit of an attacking spark. They got the win, but it won't be the result they wanted, and that's the theme that continues into the next match. Yeah, Scotland hosted South Africa, and a 20.26 loss. How good did Murrayfield look? Oh, That stadium, when it's full, for a game at night with the big atmosphere and the lights and the fireworks, like, it really is a spectacle. I would pay money just to be in Murrayfield for Flower Scotland being sung. 
just just that alone. Oh, the acoustic verse. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they should sell special tickets for like standing room only in the stairwells for a tenor just for like the pre-show and the anthems. Now now go to the pub, please. <laughs> exactly, yeah. If there was a pub within 47 miles of Murrayfield, which there wasn't as we found out about the Cup final a couple of years ago. <laughs> but to be perfectly honest, the entertainment didn't stop there. This mm. game had it all. It did. And the first try for both teams was Hollywood stuff. Like Pollard was just unbelievable like not only was he metronomic off the boot except for the last couple of kicks which we won't really talk about but he was so good running with ball in hand like really excellent stuff and for the first try there was just good support lines off him quick ball and then jesse creel popping up to smash over for the first try but his step was like in slow motion i don't know where he got the space from yet he glided through the scotland defense with ease yeah, and a lot of the time that's about identifying who you're up against. And if you spot that, he ended up up against a couple of forwards. And just that quick thinking to be able to go, ah, this one's going to work here. Left, right, and through the gap. And the, Yeah, and the gap was big enough that the forwards didn't have time to react. Yeah, and talking about Jesse Creel going over for the try, Scotland's outside centre wasn't going to be outshone. Hugh Jones was just, it was a glorious role in the next reply. His chip and chase and then offload and collecting it again himself yeah i mean 20 minutes gone and this is anyone's game and it's exciting and then slightly embarrassing moment pollard in for another try like you can't switch off and you see teams concede we saw it last weekend we saw it this weekend conceding immediately after you've scored or just after the start to a half it's a killer you have to keep your game face on for 80 minutes and you know this will come up shortly but 80 minute teams win games Let's be honest, Scotland had the bag of tricks and they were not shy of dipping into it. That line-out move was incredible. I love the fact that things like that are working at international level. Me too, because it's like, oh no, we're going to throw to the guy at the back. No, sneaky flanker move through the middle. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was excellent. And Hamish Watson had a great game in general. His carrying was just outrageous. But to to get the try that they did, as you said, off a sneaky little move was, was excellent. And it was so, so well set up for a brilliant second half. Which tightened up in comparison to the first. You know, it wasn't as free-flowing. It definitely wasn't as score-heavy. No, and kind of both teams losing their fullbacks for very different reasons. LaRue with what I thought might have been a harsh I, I'd call that a harsh. I think he was making a genuine attempt to for the intercept. Well, the motion of the hand, it was one-handed, and that's always going to be tough. But for me, it was definitely that. trying to flick the ball up, trying to gather it into himself. And... He looked more frustrated that he hadn't executed the intercept than the fact that he'd been penalised. That You can tell that wasn't quite as bad as some ones we saw later on in the day. <laughs> yeah, and and then obviously 10 minutes in the bin, which I think South Africa managed really well. Like Apart from the penalty that they conceded from that incident, they actually outscored Scotland during that period. And then on 63 minutes, Stuart Hogg went off after he went over on his ankle, which is costly because not only is he such an asset as a creative force within that team, but his ability as a kicker is really important for Scotland to exit and to gain territory on the pitch. So that's just not what you want. And speaking of kicking, there was a really good moment that just illustrates how good Finn Russell is as a thinking 10, which is not something I would have said last year. Got a slightly sloppy pass from the scrum half, had to readjust and just saw the space out wide and had enough time to execute a kick through. You can see the wheels turning in his brain and he's just a little bit faster. And like it's so evident that he is a player on form because when you're not on form, you don't try those type of things and they don't come off if you do. Like He is just oozing class. He's been so good this year. Yeah, and this game, to be honest, 
at seven at sixty five, sixty six, sixty seven minutes wasn't our main priority. No, and nor was it the priority where I was watching it. It got <laughs> it got turned off on seventy minutes, and you know that's where South Africa just held onto the ball, kicked well, another three points, and closed it out. Yeah, and they could have won by more. They missed a few kicks. Scotland will be very disappointed with that result. They will, but a team who will also be very disappointed with the result is the All Blacks. Oh, what a game. Ireland, 16. New Zealand, 9. <laughs> this wasn't just a great game of rugby. This this is historic. We're going to hear about this. The hyperbole will be unmatched for the week. But what was so impressive for me was from minute one to minute 80. Yes, it was tense. But at any point, were you worried? No. I think we, we brought our A game. And I don't think we were actually 100% accurate in what we wanted to do. So there's room to grow and improve. But we were the better team on the day. And we always looked like the better team on the day. One thing that's always raised in terms of the last time we beat the All Blacks. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. <laughs> um, in the previous occasion... Is this it, what the English feel like? Maybe it is. I don't know. They don't feel like it at the moment. Um, it was a bit of a mugging in Soldier Field. They were missing a couple of players. They were missing Retallick and Whitelock. And we surprised them. And then the following week in Dublin, they came and we got spanked. This is an All Blacks team who turned up knowing that we're the second best in the world. Knowing how good our players are. And with pretty much a full roster to pick from. Contrasted with an Ireland team missing the best scrum half in the world. Missing two of the best open sides in the country in Sean O'Brien and Dan Levy. Missing our starting inside centre in Robbie Henshaw. Ireland were not favourites here, but boy did they play like they were. From even pre-kickoff, the intensity shown from Peter O'Mahony in the, the team huddle. Oh my God, he was screaming in the middle <laughs> of the huddle after the hack. Could you see James Ryan jumping up, uh, up and down next to him? He's like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. The guys were fired up and the unrelenting physicality of this game. I was checking myself for bruises at halftime. Can you imagine being some of the older generation of players who've played the All Blacks a few times and have taken their beatings and then you look at James Ryan. James Ryan has a 2-1 to one win <laughs> record over the All Blacks. Yeah, that must be sickening. Jordan Murphy and Vanderflyer have a 2-2. Two for two. They didn't play in the Dublin leg. <laughs> have they ever been beaten by the All Blacks? <laughs> exactly. Do they know what that feels like? That's why I was never concerned with that move up. Fair. The thing for me though, and you know, let's temper it with a bit of sense, it wasn't a perfect first half. It was damn near perfect. But there was a couple of things that went wrong. And for me, it was about decision making. Not the decision making on the pitch in terms of players choosing the passes and choosing when to rock and when to commit. But there was a couple of occasions where we didn't take our points. And I guess momentum and trying to G the crowd up and keep everybody behind you. But you take your points against the All Blacks, particularly when Johnny Sexton is having a fine day from the boot. When you look back to when we won that match in Soldier Field, we went for the corner. And I think there must be the shades of that of you need tries to beat New Zealand, not penalties. We didn't it just on Saturday. About came off. No, and you know, it's the first time the All Blacks have been kept tryless since the World Cup final in 1995. I don't even know how long it is since they were kept tryless against a Northern Hemisphere team. Longer, I'm sure. Yeah. But Ireland did get that try. And Stockdale, immediately prior to this, I was somewhat critical of of the stock cube for nearly costing us the <laughs> nearly costing us the game with an intercept but then to have the absolute fearlessness and confidence to try this near enough the same exact move again after you've just been blocked down like it's one of those ones that he's a little bit of a risk 
because he backs himself every time. Whereas somebody like Earls, who had a quieter day yesterday, won't always try if it's not kind of like 60-40 odd. But how good did that, he make that look? That move was a designated move. When you look at the wide shot from behind, you see all the pieces moving mm. to give Stockdale the space for the kick through. Yeah. At that point, when the, the ball's in the air and Stockdale's running forward, who's your money on? Yeah, his acceleration is outstanding. And even with Damian McKenzie playing fullback, who is one of the fastest players in the world, he still made them look like they were running through treacle. And I just think his strength and power as well in those situations where even if McKenzie was there, good luck. Yeah, I mean, also, Stockdale's like 12 times the size of him, so it doesn't make a difference. He's 12 times the size of most buildings. <laughs> Everybody. Another player who had a huge game for me, particularly given some of the chat coming into it this week, Kieran Marmion was outstanding. His physicality in defence was unbelievable. He had a try-saving tackle at one point, and I think one of my favourite moments is there was a really, really mucky rock in the middle of the pitch. He doesn't dive down on it and panic and like make everyone flood in and slow the game down. He's down, on his knees, one-handed, popped to Bundy, ball keeps moving. That scoop was lovely. But even in terms of elements of his game that we've spoken about not being his strength, there was one particular box kick on 54 minutes that was perfection. I was watching it because it was kind of on the 10 metre line and that's where if it's a half a step too far, it's in the 22, New Zealand are going to call a mark. It landed inches, inches outside the 22, contestable. Carney was up all over it and we recovered the ball. That, that type of stuff isn't accidental and it's not luck. That no. was precision engineering. For me, and I don't care, I'm going to go conk bias all over this. <laughs> he showed why Joe has that faith in a second scrum half. And short of his form plummeting to... to catastrophic to, levels. To, exactly. He's going to be number two for the next while. I am somewhat converted. Oh my God. Oh my God. Is this humble pie? <laughs> Is this, this what you having humble five don't looks like? like. Pork. It's not tasty. No, thank you. But look, the competition at the breakdown is fierce. Josh Vanderfleer was Jack. Like I, I haven't seen the stats of this game yet, but I'm so looking forward to reading it. His tackle stats must have been unbelievable. His tackle stats are always unbelievable. But they were particularly unbelievable when you consider the size of the trees he's chopping down. True. That double tackle from the two second rows on Retallet, where they drove him back into the stands nearly. CJ Stander was just over everything over everything either Carried as the first everything. man in or the second man in bracing and we've spoken about Peter Mahoney but the dude is ridiculous his he highlight did... reel for this game <laughs> is going to be box office stuff I saw a couple of comments online last night about you know Peter O'Mahony should be like a late entrant to the world player of the year you'd have to think he'd be in with a shot he would and I think as a Munster fan that there's something there like do it in red. Do this in red. <laughs> God damn it. It's going to be this season. It's going to be this year. <laughs> the scrum as well. Like our lineout was, you know, pretty outstanding in, in the first 60 minutes of the game. I think if you take off your starting hooker, your primary lineout caller and one of your best lineout jumpers in Peter O'Mahony, that's always going to suffer. Yeah. And, and it did become a I was going to say a bit of a lottery, but someone has to win the lottery. So the line out in the last kind of 10, 15 minutes was a bit ropey. I was going to say it became just New Zealand's ball. Yeah. Um, our scrum, however, both the starting team and the replacements did a superb job on the scrum. Yeah. And for a set piece and how dominant we are, our pack works so hard. Like Healy and Furlong, their work rate, ball in hand and defensively, is just your props. 
Yeah. You're not meant to be doing that. How do you have an engine to do this? Yeah. And like Ryan playing 80 minutes and carrying the amount of ball that he did is obscene. Like I know he's young. I know he has more of an engine to go, but just stop it. Like you're ridiculous. Ah, uh, the Ryan love face continues on this like <sighs> podcast. He's so great. <laughs> what did you make of the strategy to close the game out? With 90 seconds left, I am not a fan of kicking the ball away. Really? I'm not. I think... One, I kind of know why. I think we didn't have our leaders on the pitch. There was no Sexton. There was no Best. There was no Peter Manny. Like, so you can see why the kick was made. And yet, we had, our defence was very, very good. But you're talking about five rooks. It's two close carries, one out wide. See, the worry for me there is that you, sorry Scotland fans, that you get Glasgowed in that exactly the same thing that happened to Glasgow against Munster happens. Referees in that position if you're playing negatively are looking for reasons to give a turnover for me anyway and Barnes in particular the way he'd been refing the breakdown all day was penalizing that type of stuff he wasn't carding it but he was penalizing it pretty consistently I just think you can hold on to the ball for 90 seconds without being negative and how Ireland carry and how Ireland use the ball going forward we could have done that. I think look at the bench as well, though, because New Zealand have brought off Ardy Savea and brought on Matt Todd, who is a breakdown specialist. He is in there looking for a turnover, looking for opportunities. And we didn't have enough territory to play that type of a possession game. If we were in the New Zealand half, or at least inside their 10-meter line, fine. But at that point, you're on halfway, edging towards Ireland's 10-meter. A penalty at that point is disastrous. It means that it's a line-out inside your 22. And that's where New Zealand are just incredibly dangerous. For me... Give them the ball, make them attack it from their 22, and trust your defence, which had been outstanding all game. But the thing is, New Zealand still got to our 22. I would rather have the ball for two minutes than give New Zealand the ball for two minutes. I think we'll have to agree to differ on this, because for me, that was absolutely the right call. And it worked out okay. Brody Ritalik saw a Bundyaki running at him and knocked the ball on. <laughs> he did. And he doesn't drop a lot of ball, this guy. So that was a particularly sweet way to finish the game. I was watching it in a bar in town in Galway and I may or may not have jumped up in celebration and punched a light bulb out of its socket. <laughs> <laughs> Which flew somewhere across a bar and I managed to escape before it was found. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> But no, it was a really historic day. Um, I'd actually come down and was watching the game in Galway with my little cousin. So thank you, Ben, for the company. Right. We, we sat in a pub in Galway watching seven hours of rugby yesterday. So you watched it live. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Isn't it? You've had a, you, you're, you're less fond of your family than I am this week. <laughs> <laughs> but look, as much as I'm looking for another family, there are other matches that were played this weekend. There are. And like, just to quickly talk about the results, uh, we unfortunately didn't get to see a lot of these games, but just to make sure that you have all the results for the weekend. The USA ran out 31 points to five winners over Romania. And their winning streak continues coming to Dublin. And a try for one of our players to keep an eye on that uh, in our interview last week, Tig Leader told us to watch out for his teammate from San Diego Legion, Ryan Mat- Matias, I think, ran over for a try. We should have put money on him after Tyke said it. We should have put money on him. Another game we probably should have put money on, but I don't think we would have got great odds. Uruguay beaten 68 points to 7 by Fiji. I was just watching the score updates come in for this, and every couple of minutes, try, 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 try. Was it kind of like Space Jam when the scoreline keeps thinking over into like kind of one-sided, isn't it, eh? A little bit. It was like the letters at an airport, just flickety-flickety-flick. A bit more competitive, though. Georgia beat Samoa 27 points to 19, which is a good win for Georgia. And it's a good result for 15's rugby, particularly after Georgia lost to Italy last week. You want to see them get a result. So 
that was nice. Unfortunately, one of the other Six Nations teams, Italy, went down 26 points to 7 against Australia, who really got the bit between their teeth. One really big talking point in this game. When Italy got this disallowed try for doing the exact same thing Tonga did pretty early on in the day. Yeah, referee gave it as offside, basically, saying that the player was outside the 15-metre mark or the ball hadn't passed 15 when he came in. So the line-out effectively hadn't ended, and thus the player was offside. But weirdly didn't refer to the TMO, which a lot of the time for those type of close calls you would do. Australia just were in control of that game, which was nice for them because they haven't been in control of a lot of games this year. The thing is, that incident was at nil-nil. Italy go 7-0 up. Australia start to panic. The doubts start to creep in. That's a big call. If that was a time that the rest should kind of go, I'll just TMO that. Yeah, and then the last of the Six Nations teams, France, managed to restore a bit of pride, beating Argentina 28 points to 13. And at this point, the Argentinian team have so many air miles that they're basically going to go on round-the-world trips for free for the rest of their lives. Like, it's a long season, and France had a point to prove after narrowly losing out against South Africa last week, which they did pretty comfortably. The last game we'll talk about is Canada v Germany, and Canada were 29 points to 10 victors. Yeah, so this is in the World Cup qualifying repechage, which I is a word I don't use commonly. Um, 29 points to 10. Comfortable win there, which means that they can secure qualification for the Rugby World Cup by getting just one match point against Hong Kong next week. And the importance of this can't be underestimated. Like If they don't qualify for the Rugby World Cup, then their union is actually at risk of bankruptcy. This is huge for some of those second-tier nations. And Canada are a team that's been in decline for a while. They will have been not just happy, but relieved with that win. If there was ever a sign that the Tier 1, Tier 2 Gulf needs fixing, it's that statement about their finances. And it's good that in a couple of years' time, there'll be a Canadian team in the Major League Rugby. This is it. Speaking of a Gulf that was nicely repaired this week, after getting nilled at home last week, the French women's team beat the Black Ferns 30 points to 27. Great result. It's great to see that all New Zealand teams aren't unbeatable. I wonder when the last time two New Zealand teams lost in a weekend is... Who knows? And we'll just keep this date in this in the diary <laughs> Save forever. This one. And there was a couple of other results in the women's rugby. England beat Canada, much as you might have expected. And unfortunately, Ireland were beaten by the USA. So, Porik, obviously not a great result. You were at that. And if you want the details on that one, check out our fan cam on the second row on Facebook, uh, where you'll get all the, the gritty details of that unfortunate result. We will move on, though, to our second row top performer and clown of the round, as always. Yeah, and you've picked our top performer, and across the day there were a few contenders for this, but I think your mind's very well made up. Yeah, it was a bit like, do you remember that Six Nations big finale day where, now you're the champions, now you're the champions, now you're the champions. So it started out, and Liam Williams, who was like scored an incredible try for Wales, just getting his body off the ground and placing the ball and involved in so much of the good attacking work that they were doing. So I was like, top performer, updated our little notes. Uh, and then the South Africa game came on and Andre Pollard scored that, tro- created that incredible try, scored another one, was kicking absolutely everything. And I went, oh, maybe it's Andre Pollard. But there can only be one. Peter O'Mahony is our second row top performer. You run out of superlatives for this guy in a green shirt, in a Lions jersey, and in a Munster jersey. I know he's had a couple of frustrating results there, but all of that is pushed to the back of the mind today because he was imperious on that pitch. It's Peter O'Mahony's ball. You are only borrowing it until he says he wants it back. 
turnover penalties, line-outs disrupted and taken on our own ball. The, the yoink. yoink. The yoink. Oh it's my always the God. yoink. Like, every Irish person in the world's heart was in their mouth. When you see that kick through, you've got Bowden Barrett chasing it. You've got Ben Smith chasing it. How many times is that not a try? I had to actually watch it back a few times just to see when he grabbed it. I didn't know how he'd done it because he didn't seem to have the ground to make up, but just reached out and plucked it out of the air. And... You could tell even on 60 minutes, you're just waiting for them to strap him back up and send him back on the pitch. There was one particular moment that I saw a clip of this morning when the final whistle went, him and Rory Best were sitting beside each other on the bench and he forgot he was injured, jumped up to try and celebrate and then you could just see him go, oh, my knee. (laughs) (laughs) He was just everywhere. He was man of the match and I know we don't normally double up, but I think it's allowed in this occasion. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. And you have the clown of the round picked for this week. I do. This was a tough week for me because no one really did anything shambolic, you know? So I've taken one from personal experience, from my life. So as we may have alluded (laughs) to during the Ireland match, I didn't see the game live. I effectively turned off my phone. I turned off the radio for three hours. Into your isolation cube. So I got home after my family event, not seeing anything of the Ireland-New Zealand match. I know, it took everything in my power not to ring you. <laughs> like, everyone had been forewarned I wouldn't be... Answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I get home, I turn on my laptop to the RTE player. Okay. It, and the opening still I see is Triumphant Ireland oh, beat no. the All Blacks. Oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. And the, wor- <laughs> and the worst thing is, it wasn't actually the match... It what? was the news report. No. Yeah. Was the game up at least? No. Oh, no. I had to find it on YouTube. Oh, nightmare. Well, that seems like a worthy winner of Clown of the Round, RTE, for not realising this was the most important thing to put on the RTE player ever and for giving away the result of the game. I was actually sat there with a tear almost in my eye. Oh, I know. Well, worthy winners there. So Peter O'Mahony is our second row top performer and the RTE player is the clown of the round. (laughs) Our usual plans going awry. Just taking a look forward to the last week of the November Internationals. First up is Italy against New Zealand. Who can say backlash? Uh, All backlash. (laughs) That one is going to hurt. Yeah. Scotland host Argentina, which should be a very good game. I think that'll be close, and I actually think we'll see some of Scotland's fringe players. We might see Hastings at 10 again, which could be really fun against the Argentinian team. Bit of a grudge match then, England against Australia. That should be a chance for England to kick on from this week, but that's what we said last week. So Australia will be a bit buoyed by their win against Italy as well. That should be a pretty competitive game. It should. And then Wales host South Africa in what could be the game of the weekend. It certainly is for me. Like that South African team look gritty, they look determined, and they'll want another win on this tour. So I think that is going to be a really tough game for Wales. Ireland then have a match against the USA. So we spoke about this in our interview with Tide Leader. Could be a really competitive fixture. Hopefully it will be. And a nice chance again for some of the fringe players to get some game time. You're expecting to see Carberry. You're expecting to see Cooney. You're expecting to see... Burn, maybe McCluskey in the centre. Like, yeah. And not all change, but there should be some fresh faces. Yeah, a bit of rotation. And I think there's going to be a lot of sore bodies after New Zealand this week. So, real chance to see what the depth of the second string team is like after that result in Italy, obviously giving us some window into it. And to wrap up the, the men's games, France hosts Fiji. And these are two teams that the players will kind of know each other well enough from the league. Yeah, I think for me, this has to be a win for France. And if I curse them, fine, I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fiji are great. They're a really exciting team to watch. But when it comes to 15s rugby, I think France have just about got their shambolic selves sorted out enough that we shouldn't be looking at another Fiji win. And there's just the one women's match next week. England v Ireland and you know we were talking with Ali Miller about this this should be a very good match yeah and as Ali said absolutely no motivation needed for this game they know each other so well and Ireland will be going out to put a win on them especially after both teams results this weekend definitely and also next week there's a full round nine of the Pro 14 that's right we get kicked off on Friday night Glasgow hosting Cardiff Leinster hosting the Ospreys and Scarlets hosting Ulster three home wins what have you have you not learned from predicting things? <laughs> You'll notice I'm going to shut up a lot later. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, again, obviously teams short of internationals, it's going to be tough to see these games out, but I'd like to think that the home teams will have enough to do it. Yeah, you're right. Glasgow and Leinster have a lot of depth there. Scarlets might struggle and Ulster's second string or non-internationals really will have a point to prove. Yeah, a couple of games that could be pretty close on Saturday. Cheetahs are hosting Benetton who are down for their South African tour. That's going to be a tough game for the Italians definitely it really will because Cheetahs now have rested hopefully they look like they're getting some of their issues sorted up until the break happened so it will be a game to keep an eye on and Italy are in action against the All Blacks and there's a lot of Benetton players involved there yeah the Southern Kings then host Connacht I hate all the people who are down there this week I hate them all they will be fun I know of like two to three hundred people that have flown down for a two-week holiday in South Africa is it toasty warm it is Not Ireland. (laughs) That sounds like an improvement. Moving on to also not in Ireland, Zebre are hosting Munster. I actually see that being a tougher game than it is on paper, especially with Munster missing so many players. And like so many leaders, we've spoken about this a couple of times, there are players in that second layer of depth who have a real opportunity to step up and start putting their hands up for selection in Champions Cup games and in important fixtures as the season goes on. You're right. And the final game of the day... (sighs) Dragons host Edinburgh and your it's sigh alone. the only thing that makes me hate the Pro 14 being back. Dragons. Having to watch Dragons. Because uh, at least the Kings will give you some mad tries. Yeah, I mean, the Kings are insane and that's always fun. Yeah, Dragons will be back. Again, no internationals, so fully expect that game to be... Dirt. Wow, that was blunter than I was even going to be. <laughs> You know what, even though there are some good games and some not as good games, we will be back with you next week, wrapping up our coverage of the November Internationals and bathing ourselves in the warm, comforting light of the Pro 14. And we really do love hearing from you. So get in touch on facebook.com forward slash the second roll or on Instagram and Twitter where we're at the second roll. That is 2ND, not the word second. So until next time, goodbye. and Thanks again for listening. And come on, you boys in green. <laughs> Greatest team in the world.